This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. So, Pesach 5781, we're going to deal with the, the, the line in the Haggadah that says, Ubizroa Nituya, with an outstretched arm, Zuacherev. That refers to the sword. Kamosh the Pasuk says, Vacharbo Shlufa Biado, he had a sword outsheathed in his hand, Nituya Yerushalayim, spread out over Yerushalayim. So, what sword are we talking about here? What is this sword that the Zroa Nituya, the outstretched arm of Akarish Baruch, refers to, the Cherev of Hashem? What does that refer to? So the Malbim answers, first, you know, to figure this out altogether. When someone fights someone else with, with a sword, they stretch out their arms, as opposed to a dagger, which you hold, you stab and then bring close, stab and then bring close. The reason why is because a sword, the outstretched, you're trying to deliver the blow to the other person before he can hit you with his sword. But if you have a dagger, you want to use it sort of like to stab and then get out because you know it's not going to protect you much, especially if you go out there. A sword is outstretched. But a dagger is close by, and that's why Zroa Nituya refers to a sword as opposed to a dagger. He goes on to say that this maka, along with Dever Makas Bechoros, which is the sword maka, is pointed out and mentioned in Parshas Bikurim, right, much, 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 la- much later on in Parshas Devarim, because in a certain way it's the greatest of the makos. It concerned death. It was the culmination of the plagues. HaKadosh Baruch Hu testified to it when, Shlo, when Moshe Rabbeinu first met him by the Sneh. That was in Parsha Shmos all the way in the beginning. So therefore in Parsha Kisavo, when we mentioned specific Makos, not all of them, we mentioned Dever and Makos Bechoros. We specifically mentioned Cherev as being Makos Bechoros as the Malbim because it was the culmination of all the Makos. It was the one prophesied from the beginning. It was the one everyone was expecting. Davin HaMelech had made a terrible decision to count B'nai Yisrael. Yoav told him not to. Is at the end of his life. He's 68 years old, 69 years old. And Yoav says, don't count Bnei Yisrael. What's the point of counting Bnei Yisrael? But Dov and Amalek wanted to count Bnei Yisrael. And after he did so, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him he was going to be punished. He would have to be able to choose between famine for a few years, a military takeover for a few months. Somebody would take over, some nation would take over, or a plague for a few days. What do you choose? Famine for years, takeover for a few months, or plague for a few days. Dovermel chose fam- the plague, and immediately 70,000 people died. In just one hour, 70,000 people died. David Amalek and all of his men began to daven, begging HaKadosh Baruch Hu to have mercy, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu accepted his tefillos, telling the Malach to wait where he was, the Malach that was doing the plague, to wait exactly where he was, don't do any more. David saw a vision of this Malach with its arm outstretched over Yerushalayim with an unsheathed sword. And the Malach gave a message through God HaChoseh to David Malach that he should build a Mizbeach in the spot where he was pointing to with his sword. And the Malach, that, that, that he should bring Korbanos there. And David Malach understood from there that not only should he bring Korbanos there, and not only should he make a Mizbeach there, but he should buy the land and make the base of Mikdush in that spot. So he did. He went to a Ravna or Ornan, Hayavusi, and he spoke to him about buying the land for 50 shekel kesef, 600 shekel kesef. And he bought it, and that area became the future based on Mikdash that was Haramoria. Although it may have seemed like the Malach was indicating death to Bnei Yisrael with his actions, he had his sword out, out on Yerushalayim. 70,000 people were already dead. 
David Melech understood that the message was one of positivity, that the future base of Mikdash was going to be in this place. It would be Machapra for them no matter what happens. He would be able to build the Shisin, the foundations of that base of Mikdash. And one could say that everything was understood from this Pasuk itself. As a side note, by the way, it could be that the Navi is a little bit out of order. This seems to have happened when David Melech was either 68 or 69 years old after Avshalom. But it seems that David Melech already built the Shisin much earlier, right? When he had asked to build the base of Mikdash, and Nelson and Avi told him he could, and then he couldn't, etc. The Nebuah in, in the middle of the night that stopped him from building the base of Mikdash. So he only built the Shisin. I can't tell you what order this took place in. I don't know when exactly, but, but it certainly looks like, it seems like it took place toward the end rather than toward the beginning itself. It could be HaKadosh Baruch who shows us his power by punishing the people. It's for us to learn a lesson from and become better because of it. And that's the point of it. Rav Moshe de Leon says that David Melech saw Gavriel HaMalach. It wasn't the Malach HaMavis, it was Gavriel standing on the Sulam. Remember the Sulam from Yaakov Inu? Yaakov Inu was sleeping on Har Moriah and saw the ladder going from Base El all the way, um, I'm sorry, from uh, Be'er Sheva all the way to Base El with the middle, the Haram Maria being right in the middle, that's what he saw. Davinel saw the same Sulam with Gabriel on it, the same thing the Yaakovinu saw. His foot was in the Makoma Mikdash. He realized it was the area where his feelers would go straight up. He called it Shara Shamayim, the same Shara Shamayim the Yaakovinu called it years ago. And that's the Pasuk that we bring up over here for the Char Cherev that was Shlufa Biado. Yeah, Shlomo. So this is two shitos in Rashi right there. I'm going to refer you back to over there where it goes to, it's a long Rashi, where it goes into, is he in the middle of the ladder? Is he at the foot of the ladder? Is the ladder straight up? It's two, maybe three pshatim in Rashi about what happened. So I, I, I can't answer the question. You're right. It's, it's a little bit strange. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. Okay, the next part. The Kobol says this sword refers to something that stood between the Bechoros and their fathers. You guys ever, I've told you before about the civil war that happened on the day after the Bechoros found out that they were going to die the next night. So they fought a war against their parents. That very day, the, fifth, uh, the 14th day of Nisan, they fought a war against their parents and killed, according to the Medrash, hundreds of thousands of their parents in Mitzrayim, but lost because they didn't, weren't able to send out the Jews, the Egyptian army won, and then that night all the Bechoros died. When Moshe Rabbeinu warned Paro about that, and the civil war happened, and they told him all that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed a metaphysical sword in between them to stop them from fighting, and that's the only reason why the war did not happen. That's how the Kolbo says it. The on the other hand, Reb David Abu Dharam, Abu Dharam is what many of the halachas that we have for tefillah come from the Abu Dharam, one of the first earliest Sidurim. He writes that there was a true war between the firstborn and their parents. They wiped out all of the relatives, etc. The sword here refers to the swords they used against each other in that civil war. That's the sword that we're talking about over here. It's the sword that HaKadosh Baruch Hu fulfilled his word, right, with the last plague. It's hinted to in the Pasuk and Talim, Kuflam Edvav, Lemake Mitzrayim, Remember that from Kilo Lamchasto? He killed Mitzrayim with their Bechors. Not the Bechors died. With the Bechors they ended up dying. And that could be the Machlokas, Rabbi Yudah and the Rabbanan, right? Whether it's Dam Tzorekinim Arav Devashim Barad Arba Choshech Makas Bechoros, or if it's Ditzachadash Biachav Bechav, not Makas Bechoros, but rather Bechoros itself. It could be, whether it's included in that or not. That's the idea behind it. So far, we have two answers. What was this? Well, three. First answer is that it's Makas Bechoros. Second answer is it's 
the metaphysical sword that stopped the Civil War? Third answer is, it is the sword of the Civil War that we're talking about, and that's the Cherev right over here. Haggadah's Piagid, by the way, says that Zua Cherev is a Gematria of 228, which is Bechor, as a hint of this. It's Cherev, he's referring to the Bechor, but that could be Machus Bechoros itself. The Zohar, Chelek Bey's Memheum and Aleph, says there were three deaths that took place this day. Two of them you know. One of them was the firstborn killing their own fathers in the Civil War. Second one was the firstborn dying at Chatzos, right, the actual Maka itself. The third, anybody know what the third killing was? This is a Pella. I, the Zohar says this. Paro realized what was happening, saw his own sons and servants dying, so he got up and killed every single one of his officers and advisors who had told him he shouldn't let the Jews go. He went up to them with his sword and started wiping them out, saying, what were you telling me? Why didn't I let the Jews go? Vayakam paro balayla means he got up in the middle of the night and started killing his own cabinet for suggesting not to send the Jews out earlier. Is that unbelievable? And that's the idea. Lila can be stood as Yalala, the crying that happened in his own palace. The Imre Shepherd says that also explains the outstretched arm here. He outstretched his arm to kill all those people there. So the Kharib is not the civil war or the metaphysical or Makas Bakoros. It's Paro himself who killed his own men because of what was happening over here. Ever heard that before? Ever heard that message? Unbelievable. That's our fourth answer. The Vilna Gon says, as we said before, Makas Bechoros, the Malach with his sword, is what it refers to over here. It's the sword of the Malach that killed the Bechoros in Mitzrayim. He doesn't explain anything more than that. So that's our first answer that we gave up earlier. The Miamlaways says, it's possible, this is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to kill the Bechoros in Makas Bechoros. You know what we say, Ani Velo Malach, Ani Velo Saraf, Ani Velo Hashaliach, well, I'm going to do it, says a Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? But he says the following. He says, when a person dies in Eretz Yisrael, the Pasuk in Yeshaya, Chavav Yudbe, says, Yichyu Meisecha. Those who, you, who die by you will end up living, right? That refers to those people in Eretz Yisrael. The next part of the Pasuk, Unevelascha Yikumun. Your corpses will rise. Those people who die outside of Eretz Yisrael are called Nevelas. Because the Malach HaMavis shechts them using a nicked blade, makes them into nevelas, really trefas, right? But something like that, it destroys them completely. Even Sadikim who die in Chutzlaretz, die in that manner by the sword of the Malach HaMavis. Although we said above, Anivalo Malach, says the Miam Loes, that Hashem killed the Egyptians and not any angel. That's an unbelievably high level. Dying by the hand of Hashem? That's very hard for us to understand, says Miamloes. How could it be they deserve to die by Hashem themselves when Sadiqim living outside of Eretz Yisrael don't die by the hand of Hashem themselves? You mean to tell me a Mitzri died by Hashem, but the Vilna Gon didn't? Rabbi Kiva Eger didn't? The Rambam didn't? How could that be? How is that possible? That's the question you have to ask. He says there's no way. The outstretched arm over here shows that it was through Hashem but the actual death did not happen from Hashem. It's possible that Hashem pointed them out so that the sword of the Malach HaMavis would end up killing them. Once it was determined who would live and who would die, that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent the Malach HaMavis out with his sword, and that's the reason why this is represented by the outstretched arm of Hashem, which is why, what do we say about the Jews that night in Mitzrayim? They weren't allowed to leave their houses. Why? So that the Mashchis wouldn't kill them. Why was there a mashchus? Hashem was killing all the Mitzrayim. There's no way Hashem was killing them because that would be too high of a death for them. They didn't deserve such a death. It was that Hashem was involved and the Malachim is one that did the actual killing itself. 
It's an interesting Yamla ways. Sfasi Yom says the death of Egyptians was not like the death of Sancheriv's army even. Anybody remember how Sancheriv's army died? The Gemara in Sanhedrin says either the Malachim were singing and they died from hearing such songs or their bodies remained intact while their souls burned by a light that came down on them that burned them to the core. The Egyptians didn't even deserve that. See, Sancheriv and his army had not yet enslaved or killed those Jews in Yerushalayim. They had killed Jews outside, but they had not killed the Jews in Yerushalayim. The Egyptians had already enslaved and killed many, many, many Jews. So the Sancheriv could die by a Malach. The Egyptians didn't even deserve to die by the hands of a regular Malach. They deserved to die by the hands of the Malach above us with his nicked blade rather than a Kaddish Baruch himself. So the Sfasiyam says the exact same thing that the, the Miam Lois is saying, that we learn from this Gezei Shava there was really a Malach doing the death, even though a Kaddish Baruch was fully involved in making everything happen, call out the pointing out, the doing everything, while this sword happened through there. An unbelievable Kiddush. Yeah, Ellie. But in a time of, it's a good question. Baba Kama Samach, if in times of a plague, if someone is around, death can still happen. And that's what you have to be afraid of. And they were. They were afraid of that sort of thing happening to them right there at that time. But it's a solid question. The Akeda asks the question, he says, why would the Egyptians send out the Jews after Makas Bechoros if the firstborn died anyway? They're all dead. So why not just, what would they gain by sending them out? Especially if there was no Gzera on the rest of them. Like, after Makas Bechoros happened, Paro's like, just get out, just get out, just get out. But there was no Gezer on the rest of them. The Bechoros died. Why would they have to send them out? What would they gain if they sent them out? Especially that there was nothing left. So it's a, it's a crazy question. I could answer it. Are you going to try to answer it? Yeah, I can think of an answer. But listen to what he says. He says, every single Egyptian was hit by the sword of the Malachim of us on that night. But not all of them died. The Bechoros died immediately. Everyone else got super sick. The only person who was a Bechor and got super sick and didn't die was Paro. He was the only one. But every Bechor died immediately. Everybody else was sick. And that's why he said, Kulanu Mesim. We think we're all going to die because they were all hit. The Malachim of us hit all of them. So then he asked, the Akeda asked, how was the Malachim of us allowed to hit them if they weren't firstborns? So he says the following, he says, it must be that these were people who in the end would be drowned in the Amsuf. They were going to die anyway. Every single one of them was going to die. So the Malachim of us was able to start it now by hitting them now, giving them a sickness so they could be part of the Kiddush Hashem later on at the Amsuf. He gives a muscle. Two people are Chayiv Misa for something that they did. If those men are punched or kicked around a bit before they die... The judge isn't going to say anything. They're supposed to die anyway. The Egyptians should have realized this when they were hit. Something was going to happen to them. Therefore, they shouldn't chase after B'nai Yisrael when they left. But they were too stubborn to realize, Od Yado Nituya Alam says the Akedah, that his hand is still outstretched. And the reason they were hit is because they truly deserve to die in the end. Brilliant, right? So what was the sword? The sword was the sword of the Malachim of according to the Akedah. But not the sword that killed them. The sword that hit them to let them know, don't chase after them. This is your last warning. And that's why they knew that they had to send them out immediately, but they didn't realize afterward what had happened. That's a crazy thing. Now, first of all, that's the Akedah. The Chsam Sofer says a different idea. He says it based on, has anybody seen, at the end of Avodah Zarah, there's a bunch of small Mesechtas. One of those Mesechtas, Mesech is Sofrim. Right before Sofrim, there's a little like line. It's super weird. 
And in front of that line, in that line right over there, I think it's in Sofram. I'd have to check it up. I didn't check it up before, and I'm pretty sure it's in Sofram. And it says that on the night of Vayibachatzia every single Egyptian was hit and dying. He didn't say every single day. Every single Bechor was hit and dying. And slowly but surely they were there. It sort of answers the question, like a Kaddish Baruch who hit them, but they didn't die until the Malach HaMavis came and finished them off. You get it? Like Hashem said, he casey Kovachor Baruch I'm going to hit every Bechor Baruch I didn't say I was going to kill them. Bamase, they'll die. They're going to die by the hands of the Malach HaMavis. Sort of like answers like all the questions we had up above. So the Chassam Sofer says that. Listen to this. That's Paro thought he was going to die because he was a Bechor. He was hit. He wanted to run away before the Malach HaMavis got to him. And he did it. He was the only Bechor to not die. Perhaps this is what it means when Hashem hit them and the Mashchis killed them before the morning why they couldn't go out. He agrees. There's no way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have killed the Egyptians himself because simply put, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would be Nishika. That's Mises Nishika. That's the highest level of death. That's Chius. That's not death. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu used a Cherev to hit them with the Malach Mavis finishing off. You know what the Cherev of Hashem is? The sword of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The sword is called Yudvav Heichav. It's a shame of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? Yachid Verabim Halacha Karabim is Rashi Tavis. The Vilna Goni used to say it to people when people were leaving. Uh-oh, what happened? All right. Yachid Verabim. It's fine. Yachid Verabim Halacha Karabim. So you used to say to them, Yachid Verabim Halacha Karabim, to be able to go through and tell them such things, right? It's called Yuhach. He used that sword in order to destroy them completely. That sword is placed in the hands of the Malach. It's placed in their hands. He hit them with that sword. They were hurt very badly, dying all night long, and finally died in the morning through the Mashchus himself. That was Yuhach. Shibole Leket says, this is a shame on Mafurish that's mentioned in the Sefer Arazim, which Moshe Rabbeinu used to do all these signs that he used to do in Mitzrayim. Again, Avram, Simon, Tuf, Ayin, Gimel. He says, the reason why we pour out of the wine 16 times, Magen Avram, it's like a halacha safer. 16 times. You know why? Because of the shame. Yudvav, that's 16. Hey, chaf, hach. Yudvav, 16 times you hit the cup. You take the wine out of the cup. You get rid of that wine to be able to do it. That's the idea behind it. 16, the gematria of Yudvav. Unbelievable, right? Ksam Sofer and Shal Zuchuvah's Yoridea, Shin Memvav, Yudbez mentions this as well. You ever hear that before? That shame of Yudvav, hey, chaf? We say, by the way, I don't want to mention it. It's Sabbenu Mituvecha. And you're davening? That's not for right now. Then Itziv says that this sword refers to something else entirely. And this is finally answer number seven. The sword represents what happened in between the plagues. You know, it's very surprising, isn't it, that Paro never attempted to destroy the Jews completely after the Makos began? Why wouldn't he have tried that? Why wouldn't he have tried to kill them? Wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you try to kill them if you could? I would try to kill them. So what was stopping him from even murdering all the Jews after the first Makkah? You guys, are, I don't want to deal with you anymore. And just destroy them completely. Make their lives more miserable than they already are. So he says, Paro can do so. You know why? Because after every plague, Paro called a meeting with all of his advisors in his cabinet. Every single advisor that said, let's get rid of the Jews right now, they, every single one of them that implemented these solutions, they all died by the sword of Hashem in between the Makos and therefore he was never, never able to follow through. He had to make up an entirely new cabinet. By that time, the second Makah hit. And then all those cabinet members died. And then the third Makah hit. And then those cabinet... Is that crazy? That's why you couldn't do it. Haggadah told us Adam... The remaining advisors, right? The remaining advisors. He says every Makah contained a bit of death in it. 
And at times of plagues, the Malachim Avos walks around in the middle of the road, as it says in Baba Kama Samachal, what I just mentioned, right? Therefore, this Charv is pointed out not just because of Makas Bechoros, because every single plague had a bit of the Maka of Charev. Isn't that crazy? That a little bit of a Maka of Charev was inside there. The Balaturim suggests in the Pasuk of Tzalu Kalferis Maimadirim, that by Kriyas Yamsuf, there was death by the Yamsuf. There was death by the Yamsuf as well based on two other psukim. Maybe he says, maybe that's what we're referring to over here. After all, all these punishments he received in the Yamsuf, you should know, by the way, Rechaim Knievsky in his New Haggadah, I don't know if anybody saw it, New Haggadah from Rechaim Knievsky that went out, and he, I don't know if they have it in English, but in Hebrew, he says that the Cherev refers to the sword of the water hitting them like swords when the Egyptians were in the Yamsuf. They were killed by the swords of the Yamsuf itself. I think that's similar to what this Balaturim is saying, that they're, they did that. I think it's something a little bit different. My opinion. Does anybody remember what happened to the Egyptians after the Yamsuf? They were all spat up onto the shore, right? Chazal tell us that they were still alive, so that the Jews could see the masters that had caused them such pain and kill them themselves. They took their swords and killed them on the banks of the Yamsuf. That's the Cherev. That's the Cherev that we're talking about. I think that's a great answer that explains over here. Torah Shlema is the only one that says this. He says it refers to B'nai Yisrael themselves. If they accept the Torah, then Hashem will take them out of Egypt. If not, They're going to die in the Midbor if you don't accept the, the Torah itself. Similar to the concept of the Kfias Har Kigigis, the mountain that was where It was not referring to the Egyptians being destroyed by any sort. It was referring to B'nai Yisrael being destroyed if they don't do what they're supposed to do. Finally, the Maral and the Vilna Gon says that Dever represents how Hashem does not punish directly, but rather takes away his absolute hashkacha, which then results in damage or even death. He just takes away his hashkacha, so in the Mela people die. Cherev, on the other hand, represents aggressive punishments, which Hashem is directly going up against one another. They can either lead to Gilei Shechina, which the Gra says was realized by anyone who survived while the others did not, realizing Hashem's hand in all this, or perhaps would be something right in the middle, generating a deep, overwhelming sense of awe and wonder, but not feeling directly involved in what Hashem wants to do, as the Maral says. But either way, they felt something. There's something there. So what do we have? The Cherev could be Makas Bechoros. It could be referring to the sword in the Yamsuf in some way, shape, or form. It could be referring to something that was happening by every single Maka. It could be referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. It could be the Malachim Aves. Altogether, the sword was something awesome that happened in the Mitzrayim and Mitzrayim. We'll stop with that, guys. Have an awesome page.